Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than partying with Wayne and Garth. My name's Ash Rose, your host and your guide on this, the original 1990s football podcast, and it's still Alive and Kicking. Episode four? Yeah, episode four. We are now on this little mini series during August uh, while we take a break on the regular service because of holidays school holidays actual beach holidays and everything like that but today i am recording this intro on the 15th of august which is a very special day if you've been on social media today or you've been watching anything around the weekend of the premier league action you'll know that today is the actual anniversary of the 30th year of the premier league 30 years ago the premier league kicked off in all its alive and kicking glory saturday the 15th of august 1992 and we all know as we found out in this first episode of this little mini run brian dean was the first goal scorer in that win over manchester united for sheffield united 30 years ago so there's been a lot of content um across social media today all the usual nostalgia accounts that i love seeing are posted there bits there's been lots of tributes from famous faces as well so they're all getting in on the act and i'm going to do a cheap plug here actually because i'm working on a, a project at the moment called uh what's called a book scene actually so it's 30 years of the premier league um it's basically a review of those 30 years season by season book scene is going to be out next month through kennedy publishing so look forward to that when it's nearer the time it'll be all over my twitter feed you'll be bored of it so i just thought i'd drop a little hint on something else another project that we're doing that i'm doing around the premier league's birthday so happy birthday premier league and to continue our kind of celebration of the 30 years of the premier league and looking back at that first season in 1992-93 here we are with episode four of still alive and kicking and if you've got your bingo cards and by that i mean that picture of the 1992 alive and kicking advert from sky sports that had all those members of each of the 22 Premier League clubs involved. You know, the last episode we spoke to Lee Sharp. So we're going along the back row and next in line. It's not always going to work like that, unfortunately. But next in line for this episode is former Aston Villa winger Tony Daly is the uh, guest on today's episode of Still Alive and Kick In. Someone who was, uh, you know, quite the the face of that era, really. And I know that's a friend of the show, Sib Lamb, that always talks about Tony Daly and how underrated he was, which I think I totally agree with him as well. One of those old-fashioned proper wingers with those dreadlocks that, you know, made him really stand out, which we get into uh, on the on the on in the interview as well. So, yeah, quick one from me as, as per on these Still Alive and Kicking episodes. I'm not sure if I'll be dropping another one for another week or so uh, due to my own holiday, um, I'm going to try and work out if I can do one uh, remotely or anything like that. But be, keep breath of the trip of Twitter feed. If not, um, then you'll we'll, the next episode will be next week and then we'll do a few more and we'll probably roll in September with a, a few of these. But hey, we'll keep on celebrating because it's the, you know, the 30th anniversary can roll on as long as we like. So here is Still Alive and Kicking, episode four, Aston Villa's Tony Daly. Before we get stuck into the brand new episode of Alive and Kicking, I'm delighted to announce a partnership with the amazing Footy Devotion. Footy Devotion have a brilliant range of t-shirts, coasters, prints and mugs, all illustrated by the amazing team 
at Footy Devotion and inspired by the 1990s as well with a special range dedicated to Italian 90. And because you listen to Alive and Kick In, the original 1990s football podcast, you can get 10% off your order. Simply use the code AK90s at the checkout and you'll get 10% off. That's AK90s, so AK90S and 10% off your order. Jobs are good at. Check out Footy Devotion on Twitter at Footy Devotion and the whole range. I've got a few myself. I've got the brilliant 3pm sweatshirt. I'm looking at a brilliant QPR print kit I've got on my wall. And there's loads and loads to choose from, from World Cups to clubs and many, many more. So check out Footy Devotion. And as always, keep it 90s. Uh, let me take you back first of all then 1992 where was where was Tony Daly at this point I mean you're an established Villa player playing for your hotel club what do you remember about that time playing for, for Aston Villa um that time uh, was a great time um uh, it was I was at the peak of my career in terms of uh performing um I'd be, you know I'd, I'd been linked uh with possibilities again England caps at that time under under Bobby Robson uh, the previous season um, underground Taylor, it was, was quite successful. Uh, 92 was a, was, a, was a massive year for me uh, in terms of, in, in terms of play. You know, just prior just prior to the, the Premier League being launched. And, and what was it like for someone? I always think playing for your hometown club as well. I mean, is that something even make, does it make it like I'm a QPR fan, so I can never imagine you know what it would be like to play for QPR. What was it like playing on that Villa shirt in you know the late 80s where you made your debut? What was it like playing for you for your local club? Well, um, you know, I, I remember going uh, to watch them uh, play uh, so many games uh, when they won uh, the League Cup in um, uh, 1981. Um, it, it was a, f- a fantastic time to go down by the, in the Holt End. I was a massive Villa fan at the time. Um, you know, I haven't seen that. And then, you know, the few, a couple of years later, um, uh, play two or three years later, playing with your heroes at that particular time was outstanding. Being a homegrown lad who supported them, uh, you know, as, as a kid, it was an absolute dream come true, believe me. It was, it, you know, it, it was it was something um, I couldn't wish anything more for. And you, I would assume you obviously came up through the old YTS system as well and, you know, doing the chores, cleaning the boots. I mean, it's obviously changed a lot now. Do you do you think that was it gave you a grounding? And I mean, whose boots did you use to clean? What what was it like like cleaning the boots of the of the Villa superstars? And I, I think you know that time is it was something expected and done. It, to be quite honestly, it, it was um, it, it gave you a great grounding because what happened was you, you'd go into the dressing room, we'd hate it when one of us you know go and get the manager says go and get so and so go and get Peter with that the dressing room and need to have a chat with him. You'd be petrified to go in there because it was. When you're in there, you know, that to take it the right way, it was done right. You go, what the hell? Believe, believe no, you're doing there. Who give you permission? You know, you get boots thrown at you, water thrown over you, don't want about, um, you know, thrown into the shower. You knew what was coming, but it was it was a grounding because what happened was, you know, in and around the training game, when you were training with them, you were treated as, as a player with the utmost respect. But at that time, it was a grounding for you, if that makes sense. It didn't mean no harm whatsoever. <laughs> I always remember you in those early 90s as well, obviously with that trademark hair, which you've still got and it looks great, by the way. I mean, was that something you were conscious of? Because that always stands out to me, the, you know, the speedy winger on the side with these crazy dreadlocks. Was that 
a conscious thing, or is it was it that just Tony Daly being Tony Daly? Me, if if anyone knew me, um, the field, uh, the, the quietest person, unassuming person you could ever meet, really quiet. Yes, when a band was flying around, I was the one like making giggles and everything. I was, I was the instigator, you know, stick was given to me, I'd give stick back and everything else. But I was, I was really quiet. But it was a way of expressing myself uh, more on the field because. You know, I wasn't screaming ball on a football field, but I expressed myself by getting the ball, taking players on, uh, beating players. And that was that was just part of me. It was, you, you know, I mean, I used to have some crazy clothes to go with it as well. And it wasn't a show off or anything like that. That was just me. That was just me expressing myself. Haircuts as well. It wasn't a case of, um, you know, oh, what can I do now to, 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 to shock people or to get a while? Oh, quite like that one. Yeah, go for it. Bang, it was me. I couldn't care less. You know, my hair could get so much stick. It was unbelievable. When it stick, I was weird about it. Go, hang on a minute. This must be a crap haircut for me. <laughs> so when I got, when I say, you know, that the banter we did anything else, perfectly fine. You know, it was just me expressing me as, as an individual, as a person. And, and so you mentioned England there, of course, when we, when we go back to 1992, you were part of the, the Euro 92 England squad. What was that like as an experience? Because as somebody who works a lot, a lot on the 90s football, I always find that's kind of almost a forgotten tournament. Obviously, we didn't do as well as we hoped, but it's not often looked upon that tournament. What are your abiding memories and thoughts on, on Euro 92? First and foremost, playing for your country, you know, as I said, you know, those two things as, as, a, as, a, as a kid growing up, what do you want to do? You want to be a professional footballer for Aston Villa and then play for my country. Those were my burning ambitions. I've been able to, to, to do both and also, you know, to put the three lines shirt on is, I can't describe what that's like without, if you haven't experienced it, you don't know what it's like, but it, it, was, it was an amazing, amazing feeling. Um, you know, being involved in Euros, the first championships as well, again, to get in that squad as well, uh, from the death, mind you, as well, because, it, you know, it was, it was last minute. I mean, John Barnes, unfortunately, picked up an injury that time as well. My performances prior to that as well in the friendly, so quickly leading up to that, uh, playing one game in the Euro Championship was my debut against Poland, uh, coming on second half and, and doing reasonably well in that. And then in the friendly, you know, playing extremely well, uh, that got me into the, into the squad uh, was outstanding. But for me, the Euro Championship, I, I, it, it, it was it, it left, uh, even though you played for country, the way the press at that time uh, were treating England um, was something something I've never experienced the pressure that the, the, the pressure uh, that came from the press it, it was honestly it seems like they wanted us to fail you know the abuse Graham Taylor got as well instigated by the press you can't say it now because it actually was it was disgusting as a player as a coach as a manager when your team's not performing and you're not performing no problem with that you know you get the right for this you know that the stick that you get you were rubbish you know you could have done better you shouldn't be in the side and everything else, you know, and everything else. No problem with that. But when it becomes personal, I think, you know, nobody deserves that. And that's that's the, even even though it's, it's great to be, obviously, representing country is a fantastic thing. That's never, never going to go away. But left a, uh, yeah, a, bit, a bitter uh, pill uh, in my mouth uh, regarding that the way that tournament was going. Didn't, didn't, didn't like that, that part of it, you know, representing the country is fine, but that side of it with the press was was awful, really. It was really was. Did, did, as, as a group, did they all feel that? Because, you know, having watched the Graham Taylor documentary that was re-screened the other day, which I hadn't seen for a long time, you can 
you can see how how harsh Graham was really treated. What a nice guy he obviously played with him at Villa under him at Villa as well. Did the squad sort of rally behind Graham? Was it like a really us against them feeling at that point? Yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of galvanise the squad. Don't get me wrong. There was the, in terms of that now, it was trying to shut that at that at that time was very, very difficult because the press were in the same hotel as us as us, and you can't alienate. You saw press, and you, it's not on the gate south gate now. It's quite open, and it, you know, but nothing like that at all. You know, you actually you, you want to avoid the press, and you, because they're double scouting at you, you want to avoid them because you don't want to get. A, a, a misquoted on anything that was being said and in, you know so it was not the case of us against them but it was a case of in, you know your things amongst yourself being tight and you know hang on a minute you know don't let these external factors try and affect you have you seen the documentary and was that kind of what do you make of that it's been a long long time since, since, since i actually saw the documentary to be fair ash but at the time as well again you know it it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't great for me as well because I don't, I don't think it really, I mean, uh, my side of it as well, because it's different, I think more on the World Cup side, wasn't it, that as well? Yeah. But I uh, I knew because it was quite interesting because some of the things it said in team meetings, some of the things it, it came on the sidelines say, if they were put in a different context, yeah. uh, not uh, put that way, um, as a player, you'd realise, you know, the information that's passing on, the things that have been said are more relevant, or, you know, for the right reasons. And then really for me, I just think it was just a, um, a case of, uh, it was Channel 4, wasn't it, I think? Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was a Channel 4, yeah. Just, it, it was, it was uh, you know, edited to, to look that particular way, to be quite honest with you, because um, uh, for me, you know, I've known, I've, I've known Graham Taylor, um, God uh, bless his soul, uh, for a long, for a hell of a long time, having played with him on the, four times including including your country as well and that wasn't that same person that I knew yeah no it's interesting I'll get your take on it um, let's talk about the advert then um so you've left you've come back to Villa for the summer when did you first hear that this advert was being made do you remember how you were chosen because I'm always intrigued how each player was chosen from each club was there a reason for you or what do you remember of the process of the advert coming to you I think as well I think it's the back end of um successful season previous to that yeah. uh, I was playing some really really good football at the time exciting football um, you know possibly, possibly you know my best time as professional football in terms of in terms of what I was producing and I always remember coming back uh, pre-season for that and uh, Big Ron, uh, speaking uh, to me and asking you know um, do you want there's this uh, thing going with the Premier League uh, doing adverts and uh, advert to promote the Premier League, and you've been uh, chosen chosen to do it. Or would you like to do it? I says, yeah, of course I would. Kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? That, no problem. Um, so I mean, that, that that was far as me. That was that was the end of it. And I I, I can't remember dates anything else. But I always remember uh, going down. Um, got picked up uh, in in a taxi stroll, not a limousine, but you know yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Going down on the day, and it was a hell of a long time. I mean. Some of the scenes you see there, it was in like a, a factory, like a, a warehouse. Yeah. It was set up. The way they did it was, was, was really, really good. Uh, for, for the amount of time to see on the screen, it was taken all, you know, there all day filming yeah. that. The beautiful was was because, you know, there was the, the, the interaction with the um, rest of the players that were there as well. It was pretty good because, you know, it was kind of relaxed. I mean, you had the, 
you're the quiet person there and you've got the jokers and you know and then you see you see uh Vinny Samway's having played against him and been kicked quite a few times with him as well being not that kind of person off the field you know you don't really, you really know these particular players unless unless you're involved with them on an international level if that makes sense so it, it was good to, to interact with with, uh, with, uh, with all these players you know it was it was a really really fantastic day one I really enjoyed what, what people must have enjoyed, and I'm sure yeah, we get on to this, I think every shot of you, Tony, I think I counted four shots during the advert, you've got your shirt off, you've got the weights <laughs> out, and the gun show's going on. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's more really like um, the, the, the coaches and the players of my generation now. If you look at me, I'm actually a skinny little wretch kind of thing. Dumbbells, whatever it was at the time. And, you know, obviously my, my shape has changed a little bit since then. And, um, you know, it's quite it's, it's quite hilarious that it's still there, you, you know, as in my career has taken to be doing something what I'm doing there now and, and, you know, doing that in the actual ad. Whoa. So I actually find it really hilarious. You know, my uh, partner, she finds it hilarious uh, when she sees that uh, that particular, particular ad. She actually kills herself laughing, she does. And it was, it was brilliant. As I said, David, it was, you know, that wasn't not my making, by the way. That was chosen to do that. I wasn't the first one to go, come on, I'll do it. <laughs> well, with the shower scene as well, I think you avoided that one. There's a few of the lads in the shower, but I think you managed to avoid that, didn't you? I did, yes. I mean, you, all you, all I knew about was that you were told, uh, you know, this is the scene that you were doing. I remember even I was seeing doing there, it must have taken, I'd say, an hour and a half, two hours to get set up and done. But there was no expense spared. Even when uh, we saw what's been done and how it was going, we're going, we heard about this Premier League, you know, and the money's going to be involved in this and what's going to Sky's going to take this over. Nobody kind of knew what it was. But then when you realise what effort's been gone, especially when you saw it after, you know, with the, with the ad itself, fantastic. You know, the sky presented with all of the, the, the 22 teams, 20 teams, yeah. 20 teams, yeah. Um, or well, 22 at the time, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, teams there. Um, and seeing, I was thinking, wow, this is going to be big. You know, what about them? They are going to make an effort, you know, in terms of that now, because, you know, it was a massive thing at the time when um, ITV, BBC One, put a live game on. You know, that was a big thing. A big thing was a full player. You know, like you know, the whole the whole nation's going to be watching these kind of big audiences, uh, and that was a, a rarity that that was played. It's match the day highlights or on a on a Sunday or Saturday or Sunday, and that that was it. Really, an occasional big match as it was, and then to realise that you know, um, majority if not all games could be seen live at some stage, or you're going to see every single team see five, you know, uh, five live games a week. Uh, it was, you know, just blew your socks off. You know, it's going to be absolutely massive. And was the, the shot that you did that was you in your shirts, was that taken on the same day as well? Did you do that part of the whole thing? I, I would say to you, I, uh, I think so. Um, I call anything as well because I would say literally, you know, it was literally there from, I think it was at nine o'clock got there. And I think it was five, six o'clock when I left. Um, I'm saying yes. I think it was done on that same day. Yes, it was, I, I was only there one day, so yeah, say. yeah. Oh, okay. So you weren't. There was no. I was. I've heard some stories that some players went out before, went out after. Were you not part of that? Did you just do your job and then head back to, to Birmingham? Was that how it was? Some, some from further distances. I know um, we had the option whether you wanted to go down the night before. Right. You know, stayed in hotels and everything. But you know, I was quite happy to go down in the morning, early morning, pretty early morning. 
did that and went off. As I said, that wasn't my type of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, family and stuff like that, other commitments as well. I just went down on that particular morning. Yeah, but there was that no players were overnight. And I, I assume some stayed the night as well, depending on where it, it, it was a full day's work. And what did your teammates think of the, the video, the ad, but when it came out? You must have got some stick then. Oh, apps, of course it did. I mean, that's <laughs> absolutely claimed. I mean, uh, again, Dan Laxon, uh, uh, bless his soul as well. He was a joke of the package. Well, I remember, I mean, go, what are you doing with your top? You know, they top off. What are you doing? This kind of thing. And, you know, all, all that kind of stick and everything else. Uh, and, you know, you get a banter back saying, well, you weren't chosen, were you? Kind of thing. Like, what does that tell you? Kind of thing. You know, that kind of thing. Because me and Dan go, I have some fight in terms of that. We, we, with that but yeah yes I got it ripped out of me don't worry about it and that's the standard yeah <laughs> it seemed like you had a good team spirit with that Villa team obviously going into that initial inaugural Premier League season you, it was the season you ran May United close to the title what was it about that team I think it was very underrated you mentioned Dalen Axon who was, was a great player as well Dean Saunders and, and, and the collective what what made that team special and what wasn't enough to quite win the big one yeah experience I remember that season as well. I had crucial injuries. So I only played, you know, last, last third of the season. Yeah. 12 or so games, a dozen games I played in the season. But I'll tell you now, for, for that squad, it had the mixture of a youth classic. You know, you, you, you've got your, um, you'd be Dean Saunders, Ray Houghton, Steve Staunton, uh, Dave Axon, Dean Saunders. What a combination to lethal, probably the best strike force that, you know, for me there. You know, Andy Townsend, uh, in midfield, do you, know, do you know they 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 were absolutely so we were absolutely awesome that season in terms of that. You know the difference was again you know our season if I remember rightly we didn't start particularly well. I think we drew the first three or four yeah. games and then we picked up a win and we went on a, an amazing one 10, 11 games on beats I think it was and then um, you know we we have a little stumble again and then uh, win again. But the difference was I think Man United. In their scene and got the t-shirt. Yes, you know, last six games of the season, I think we were, we were top of the league at that time as well. And uh, going into a game, I can't remember who it was as well. One we should, one we should have won. Oldham comes to mind. I yeah, think it's the famous Oldham game, game, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And you know, and then I think we lost the last five games of that season. You know, on the running. And I think, um, you, you know, for, for for me that was. Uh, Disappointing because you know we were there and thereabouts. You know we put the pressure on Man United going in there, and we just capitulated. Really, that's what it was. You know, I still finished runners up. We, we, there's a ten point difference between, uh, finally between the teams, and it should have been a lot closer than that. Ash, that, that was the thing. It was a massive opportunity to, to win that inaugural uh, Premier League. It's almost a sliding doors moment, isn't it? Because you think if Man United haven't won the Premier League that season, there'd have been even more pressure. And you, you wonder if 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 we would have seen the next ten years what we would have seen. Yes, it is absolutely, and it could have been the other, other way around, couldn't it? In terms of us, us winning, uh, winning the Premier League and us boosting, and Man United at the time as well. You know, they dominated after that, didn't they? To be fair, as well, there were there was, there was uh, some some squad, some team they had there as well. Yeah, absolutely, I absolutely agree with that. You must have been on at the club as well when Dalian scored that that great goal that season as well. That's always remembered the goal of the season with the umbrella. I mean, what did that just sum up, Dalian? Absolutely, yeah, it really did. You know, uh, on his day, uh, um, Dale Atkinson, what we saw there, he would do, if he was unsung, and, and his head was right, in terms of, and I'll tell you wrong, and everything else, and his, you know, his, his, his attitude was there, and everything else, and he was on it, and everything was right, going right for him, 
unplayable. Some training sessions it did on a regular basis. It was quick, strong, a tremendous leap, great. Yeah, he couldn't get the ball off him. And the ability to honestly taking players on like that, like you don't believe on a regular basis. You know, you know, for me, you know, uh, he was really unfortunate for me as again not being able to get a you know an, an England cap because of you know yeah. the ability of some player. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, moving on a bit with that decade, it must have been a highlight for you, the 94 League Cup final, um, your major trophy for you. What was it like to play in? I think you hit the post, didn't you, during the game as well? What was it like playing and, and winning the cup? Yeah, I did hit the post in that game. We got result. It was a handball penalty. Yeah. Got, that was the result one. Playing in that was, was pretty good again because um, our league form prior to that, Ash, was shocking. You know, we, we had a decent start to the season. And I think if our second half of the season, if we hadn't done her so well, could have seen us, you know, in the relegation battle. Yeah. Not bad. Um, balls recall our form, even going to again a, a big older beginning. I think we got beat by Oldham. Uh, I think the week prior to the, the uh, league at home, just and big one where does the Wyatt act? You know, in terms of any, in certain terms, is nobody's league or final place is secured. You, you know, you just need to be. You know, be, be on it for that game. Once he'd done that, but then he'd go out and take full responsibility for the that's what big one took full responsibility, took the pressure off the players. But that week leading up to uh, the cup final was the most relaxed uh, game, a really relaxing week. Yeah, this game probably my career, most of the players' careers going. Um, you know, there was no pressure on us. Um, I think May Night were going for the treble that year as well. They were, they were, you know, rolling teams over left front centre, um, and you know nobody gave us a absolute prayer of winning that game. And as a result, there was no pressure on us. We went out. We went down uh, a week before uh, uh, with, with our partners, um, and you know, and, and children. Obviously, we stayed with them for the first couple of days. Then we moved hotels. They stayed there. That was really good. It was a really a nice and relaxed atmosphere. Then we went about. Case of training, uh, getting prepping uh, for that for, uh, for that game, and you know, on the day of the game, um, even going down to the coach, uh, you know, everything was uh, a relaxed atmosphere. There was there was uh, you know you know no pressure whatsoever in terms of the game. I always remember going that, and of course, when you when you when you're going out, uh, you're walking out. Of course, there's no player tell you you get butterflies or anything else, but you need those as well to play. But I always remember going out and thinking, you know, we've got a chance here. We're really, really have. Um, and on that day, um, you know, as, as a team, as individuals, we performed. We, we uh, against all odds, we really produced. So I don't think my United were that bad that day to be quite honest with either. So yes, I think you know they, if, if given anything else, Man United were at it. We were at it. Odds are that Man United won, but we were on it. Man United were, you know, at their very best as well. And you know, and I think we were deserved, comfortable winners of that game. And what were the uh, celebrations like the night after? Were, were they long and hard? They were long and hard. Believe me, the bathroom was at the Bexa Hotel, and I did not go. But I mean, I'm not. I believe it or not, I'm not a drinker or anything as well. So I had a couple of glasses of champagne, so I wasn't drunk in the But everyone partied and enjoyed themselves. We had, we had an early coach trip back. I think it was literally we were on a coach. I think for. 7.30, 8 o'clock. So I don't know players. Some players just uh, rolled out the, you know, the bar uh, straight, straight onto the coach. Um, back, back to, uh, 
the training, by the training ground as well. It was a fantastic time, honestly. It really was. It was awesome. Uh, just getting to wrap up as well, because I'm conscious of your time, but you moved to obviously Wolves and Watford, but by this point, had injuries started to, to sort of take control of you? What, what are your memories from, from your sort of latter part of the 90s? I mean, um, after that as well, um, that, that season, in that season, I picked up um, an injury in the season. Uh, the, 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 I played the following season, the 93, the, the Premier League. At that end of Premier League, I went to Wolves, sorry, uh, for um, two million quid, uh, following Graham Taylor. Uh, for me, that I didn't sit at the back of the step. For me, you know, it was, it was like Simon, Simon, Jeff Thomas, Don Goodman, uh, Steve Froggett came from Villa with me as well. Uh, Mark Atkins just won uh, not long ago with the League Cup with uh, the, the league with uh, Blackburn. Yeah. Um, an array of players. Ours was ours was you know a, a Galactico in terms of that uh, first division stroke championship uh, team. For me, the players were brought in. We were going to go straight back. What we should have done, to be quite honest with you, but you know. Uh, out of five, I think five or six uh, major signings that Graham Taylor made that year for Wolves, I think four four were injured, serious long-term injuries. Yeah. Most of the season it was incredible, really, that, that happened, including myself. Um, I never really recovered from that. I, I, I'd done my cruciate uh, previously at Villa, which is one I came back for, and did it again uh, during pre-season for Wolves, uh, the first had signed. And then... Um, Tried to come back from that, couldn't. So I missed the uh, whole, whole of that first season. And then um, I had injury after injury. Again, I had a ruptured patella tendon, uh, which kept me out for another 18 months regarding that. So I was literally in for, injured for the three of the four years uh, I was at Wolves. It was disappointing because I was uh, 26 at the time. Peak of my career, as I say to you as well. Even during the pre-season, myself, Steve Froggett, absolutely flying. Um Fit as anything, felt great, playing some great football uh, during pre-season. So, you know, uh, that, that, that was uh, a gutting time because, you, you know, again, Wolves never saw the best of, of myself. That, that was that was the, the, the disappointing thing for that, being a Wolves at that particular time. But I would say to you, so well treated there, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, with the staff uh, that were there and everything else. It, it was, it, even though, you know, some dark times in terms of the play, you know, everyone does want to play football and that isn't the case and you need just so much, you know, that they, they really looked really look after me. And then you went into, once you were forced into retirement, you obviously went in this long road to, to, to fitness and you've done been fitness coaching. Was that something that had always been on your mind as, as, as you were a player and you'd go into or was it a sudden click after football? No, no, not at all. It's something, you know, at the time as well, I mean, when I was at Villa, uh, Jim Walks, um, I was only having you know, picked up little injuries. Jim used to hate me being injured. The quizzing, you know, what's this injury? And he goes, I was hamstring strain. I know that, but what's the terminology? You know, how long it's going to be? And, you know, uh, why are we doing this? And it wasn't a good one do because it's such interest. Uh, so I, I had an interest. My initial thing was to physical, that now. But um, being injured quite a bit, um, I saw the, the, the fitness side as well and the, the rehab and getting back to fitness and, Something go, hang on a minute, you know, if I took this, when I get back fit and take this to heart and, you know, have a look at this and look at the science of this and the other side of it, it can make a one or two percent difference. Something really, really fascinating interest in me. And as a result, um, when I'd gone to Wolves, I picked up that injury. 
already set my mind that I wanted to be, you know, on some on fitness with uh, sports science. So at the end of my career, when I knew where I was going with that, uh, um, I, I did a sports science degree at um, university. Um, uh, having, having done that as well, and also at the time I was uh, playing non-league football for uh, Forest Green Rovers, which enabled me to be able to do, uh, to do both because they were part-time, which worked out extremely well. Um, I was also doing some fitness work as well with with uh, the, the first with the team. I was as well doing most of the fitness uh, warm up, strength and conditioning and stuff there at times. So I was getting some good experience. And at that time as well, I was actually working with the under uh, 15s, coming in once a week as well, working with uh, Gabby Abangalo in terms of uh, speed, agility, and fitness. So I was going into bits and pieces with them on, on a weekly basis with that with Aston Villa. So I had my hand in doing that anyhow. Uh, once I um, um, passed my degree, um, I went to Sheffield United uh, with Bill uh, Neil Warnock, became fitness coach there. I was there for four years with them, including um, coming, uh, playing, getting to the Premier League at that particular time as well. So it was an awesome time there as well. Um, having left there, um, I went to uh, uh, Wolves, back to Wolves. <laughs> the irony is as fitness coach as well. For those <laughs> The headlines from the fans. Why we get someone who's injured? What the hell does he know about that? But you see that all that doesn't bother me. It just makes even as a as a player getting stick and everything else. It just makes me more more determined. You know that's that was my resilience with stuff like that. I just took I took the pot. Okay, we'll see. You know, going to make, make me more determined to be more successful. And from from there, you know, I became a head of sports science there. Whilst I was doing that as well, I uh, went on some uh, masters in sports and exercise. Um, uh, uh, past that, went on, and um, you, you know we had a successful time in terms of uh, being at Wolves, where we got uh, promoted, the record number of points and, and goals at a particular time uh, with Wolves, and you know three good seasons there. And I left Wolves, you know, I was there as a fitness coach for uh, ten years, being something like eight to ten managers, eight to ten managers in that time as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that way as well, especially after. Um, Mick McCarthy, uh, and left in 2017, where, you know, I, I own, uh, a business called Simply Limited, uh, having left there, I had opportunities to go back into football, but to be quite honest with you, the only, um, you know, I, I, I three or four offers to go, and whether it was uh, too far, well, obviously it wasn't uh, the right uh, monetary purposes, or just didn't feel right, and, and I, I uh, declined those, and then for me, I decided to set up my own uh, business called uh, Seven Day Limits, as I said, and you know, uh, which has been, uh, I've been doing ever since. And uh, what I do with that is a uh, one to one fitness, uh, personal fitness, group uh, fitness, but I work with elite as well as elite um, athletes, uh, mainly footballers. I work uh, with businesses and, and the general public as well, one to one. Also, uh, have a note, my own uh, supplement range, uh, brand which is bespoke and, and, and unique, uh, uh, which we've launched and uh, going to kick it on again in 2022. And um, also, also, as well, uh, do uh, plenty of talks in and around the world, the world of fitness as well. So, you know, I'm quite busy with the work I'm doing here now. Yeah, sound like a busy man. <laughs> uh, so, something I'm, I'm, I'm I really, really take and really have, you know, it's, you call the third factor of my career. I've worked, you know, in football, 
as a player, then as, as a coach, and now second mom business in the fitness world. And so it, um, it's challenging, but it's, so, it's fantastic being in control of your own destiny. It's something I really, really enjoy. Final question then, Tony. I, I've asked this to everyone. Is what, when did you notice, what for you was the change from the Premier League, from the old first division to the Premier League? When was the first time you thought, was it the advert or was it something that you just, you mentioned obviously the TV stuff earlier. What for you, what was that moment? I think as well, um, the Rasmataz went around it. First, the adverts, I've been seeing the, the, the interest, you know, on first thing on national news, the Premier League ad, you know, for instance, that, that was number one. Number one thing that came on first on the news. Um, reaching the front pages, this, this consumption of football. And then, as a player, the, the amount of interest in terms of press uh, in and around the ground. And for me, the big one was obviously Sky, the razzmatazz around Sky. You know, it was, it was that for me, I know going, this the Premier League as a world. Yeah. Me, that, would be, that would be the things that actually uh, most, uh, I'd pick up most. Tony, thank you so much for your time. You've been very kind. It's been great speaking to you. No problem at all, Ash. Take care, mate. Thanks very much. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Cheers.